Well, we've been studying the book of, does anybody remember? Daniel. Daniel. And we finished that last time. And so we're in a new book of the Bible now. We have, there we go. We have come to the book of Esther, the book of Esther. And we're going to learn about a lady and a couple of guys and a really bad, bad guy. We won't learn about the bad guy yet this month, but there's a couple of really, this is like a good cowboy story. There's a really bad, bad guy in here. But the book of Esther tells a story about something that happened a very long time ago. If you remember, uh, anybody remember, what is this a picture of? What city is this? Does anybody remember? Jerusalem. That's right, the city of Jerusalem. And who burned down the city of Jerusalem so long ago? The Babylonians. Very good. And who is the king of the Babylonians? Nebuchadnezzar, that's right. And he took the people away and he made three different trips, taking the Jews from their homeland in Judah and taking them to where? Babylon. Babylon. Here's the great gate of Babylon. Beautiful gate. Well, if you remember in our last Bible lesson, what happened? Who came and defeated the Babylonians? Does anybody remember? who these guys were that destroyed the city of Babylon. The Persians, very good. The Medo-Persian army came and they destroyed the Babylonian empire. And that Babylonian empire covered uh, some of this area right up in here. But then the Persian empire, they became huge. In fact, history and the Bible tell us that they rolled all the way from India over here to Ethiopia, way down here. It was a huge, huge kingdom that the Persians had. Their capital was down here. Babylon, which we'll look at in a minute, was up here, but, uh, sorry, over here. But their, um, their capital was down here in Shushan. Now, to give us an idea of where this is by things that are happening in the world today, this this area I put up here in red, this is the country of the Ukraine, which is being invaded by Russia that we keep seeing in the news. And all of this, all the way up to here, is where the Persian Empire was. Well, let's talk about their capital. The book of Esther happens in this city right here. Ah, I pushed the wrong button. The book of Esther happens in this city right here. The Bible calls it Shushan. If you look at it on a map today, it's not called Shushan. It's called Susa. If you look it up in a dictionary, it's called Susa. But its other name is Shushan. And this shows how close Shushan was to Babylon. Now, who was it that was in Babylon? What was his name? Daniel, that's right. He was in the city of Babylon, and he served under Darius the Mede, who was left in charge of Babylon. But then he also served Cyrus, who was the emperor or the ruler of the Persian Empire. Now, this is especially for the parents. So to give us the context of the book of Esther and where it happened, we have Daniel, and then we had the first return of the captives to go back to Israel. And that was led by Zerubbabel, the governor, and Joshua, the high priest. They returned to rebuild the temple, 536 BC to 516. During this time, the prophets Haggai and Zechariah, which we'll learn about Haggai in Sunday school next Sunday morning, um, they were prophesying during this time of return. 
Then we would have the book of Esther, which the story where Esther comes on the scene would have been in the uh, second or third year of the reign of um, Ahasuerus, or Xerxes, as history calls him. And that would have started in 478. And then um, sometime later, Ezra returned uh, 457 BC to establish temple worship. And then Nehemiah returned, leading more Jews to go back around 444 BC. And the prophet, the last of the Old Testament prophets, Malachi, would have been prophesying during that time. But right between Zerubbabel and Ezra going, we have the story of Esther. So whereas Zerubbabel and Ezra and Nehemiah tell the stories of, or it's all recorded in the books of Ezra and Nehemiah about the Jews returning, the book of Esther tells us about the Jews who stayed and who stayed in the Persian Empire. So let's hop right into our story. The Bible tells us about a king by the name of Ahasuerus. And for a long time, people didn't know who Ahasuerus was because there are no Persian records of a man by the name of Ahasuerus. But then one day, a college student in Germany was studying some old Persian writing from the side of a wall in Persia. And he noticed these funny characters around this name. And he studied them and studied them and studied them. And finally, he was able to translate the words into Persian, how we would write the Persian alphabet. And when he translated it in, it was this funny name that sounds kind of like Ahasuerus. And he translated it into Hebrew, and guess what the name was? Ahasuerus, or close to that. You translate that into English, and it's the name Ahasuerus. And if you translate that into Greek, it's Xerxes. So history tells us about this great king, this guy right here, carved on the side of a building in Persia, in modern-day Iraq, I believe it is where this is. And um, this guy right here was the king of Persia. Now, this guy was a pretty gross guy. He did all kinds of really bad stuff. He had a whole bunch of wives and a whole bunch of concubines, and he was known for having really bad parties. This guy was also very prideful. I mean, he thought he was a big big deal. And one person could come and offer him thousands of dollars to help him fund a military campaign to go invade another country, and he would love that man. But if the next day that man asked for a favor, he would get so mad that the guy asked for a favor. Actually, one time he took a man and he killed his oldest son just to get even with him for asking for a favor. One, another time, I mean, this guy's real. He was also crazy. You remember Nebuchadnezzar was kind of crazy. Well, this guy, he was crazy too. And one time, he had a big bridge built. And this big bridge, right after they got finished building it, a big storm came up, and the water rose higher and higher and rushed through the bridge and knocked the bridge down. And he got so mad, he said, I want to punish the water for messing up my bridge. So he said, I want you to go, and I want you to beat the waves so many times. So all the soldiers had to line up and take their whips and go, and beat the water to punish it. And then they had to take some fetters and throw it in the water. They were binding up and punishing the... That guy was crazy, wouldn't you say? He had anger problems. And then he was so mad that the water knocked the bridge down, he took the men who designed the bridge and got rid of them. He killed them because their bridge fell down in a storm. I mean, the man was crazy. 
The man also had a huge empire, as I've already said. And Esther chapter 1, verses 1 and 2 tells us that his kingdom reached from, as I've already said, what country over here? India, all the way down here to Ethiopia. But he wanted more. In fact, history tells us that during the time of the book of Esther starting here, there was a country that he wanted. And so from here in his capital, Susa or Shushan, he began to plan how he could invade this country here, Greece. He did not own enough. He did not rule enough. So he begins to devise a plan to go from his capital to invade Greece. So Ahasuerus, or Xerxes, he started making his plans. What was he going to do? How would he invade Greece? Well, first of all, he had to convince his officials that this was a good idea. So he decided, I'm going to call in all of my rulers from all of my provinces, all over, and I'm going to bring them in, and I'm going to show them the riches of my kingdom. When they see how wealthy we are, I guess his idea was when they see how much money we have and how wealthy we are, then I'll be able to convince them that we need to go and we can afford to fight Greece. So he brought them in and he started showing them this is the gate, one of the gates, part of one of the gates of his capital of Shushan, of his big palace. Miss um, Leah sent me this picture when she went to the British Museum a few years ago. She saw this, um, one of the gate pieces, and that's supposed to be a guard, a picture of a guard there on this glazed brick. And this was one of the gates that Esther would have gone in and out of probably at the palace. And so he showed them all their beautiful work and their brickwork and their wealth, is, well, their wealth and their gold and their silver and all of this. And then at the end of spending a few days showing them his wealth, then he started throwing a party. Now, we would go to Great Dill, your mom, if she was planning a big party, she would try to get everybody matching cups, right? Does your mom have a bunch of cups that are the same? You know, you go over and all the glasses in one specific part of the cabinet, these are the nice ones. And when we have company, these are the ones we use. Miss Lauren, I have some red ones that are on a stem. They're really pretty. And some little old ladies in our town in Louisiana, where we used to live, we would do uh, a special help do a special banquet for them every year at Christmas. And when they heard we were moving to Texas, they went around to all the little old ladies in town and they gathered up money. And they brought it to our house when we were leaving and said, we want you to go buy something nice for your house in Texas. So we bought these cups. And when we have guests over, what do we do? We pull out the red cups and we put ice in them and we put tea in them and we have a nice meal. Well, he was so rich that Ahasuerus, didn't want to have matching cups. He was so rich. He could have hundreds of people over for dinner, and every one of them have a different kind of cup. I just think that's a funny detail that the Bible puts in there. Everybody had their own cup that looked different. And so they start having this big party. Well, as they're having the party, it lasted seven days. They're eating and they're drinking and does anybody remember what happened in the book of Daniel, chapter 6, when a certain king started having a party, and they all started getting drunk? That's right, they got attacked. In fact, Jeremiah had told 70 years before, they're all going to get drunk, and they're going to be attacked, and Babylon's going to be destroyed when they're in the middle of a party. Well, guess what? This guy started having a party just like they had been having, 
And after seven days, they've been drinking a whole lot this whole time, and they're getting really, really tipsy. And the king decides he has a good idea. His wife, Vashti, the queen, was beautiful. And he said, I want everybody to see how beautiful she is. Now, in Persia in that time, if they were having a party, only the men were going to come to the party. So Queen Vashti was having a party in another part of the palace for all the ladies who had come. I guess maybe the wives of all the rulers that had come in for the meetings. And so she was having a party for them. And he got seven of his servants, not one, but seven. I assume he must have thought he was going to have problems getting his wife to come to his party because he sent seven eunuchs to go get her. And so these seven go over to the ladies' party, and they come to Queen Vashti and said, the king orders you to come right now because he's going to show you off for all his guests. Well, Queen Vashti did not like this at all. It was inappropriate for her to go to a man's party, which meant she shouldn't be going there, and she knew that. So she was even offended that her husband would even invite her to this man's party. But she told the servants, she said, I will not go. Can you imagine having to go tell the king? I mean, the king killed those men just because their, their, their bridge got knocked down by a storm. What's he going to do to us when we walk in and tell him your wife won't come to the party? But they had to go in and tell the king, your wife won't come to the party. Well, oh, how do you think Ahasuerus felt about that? He was mad. And his princes were all mad. And all the rulers that had come, they were all mad. They're not going to get to see the pretty queen. And plus, the pretty queen has dishonored the king. So they spoke up to the king, and they said, King, she has not just done wrong to you, but she has wronged all of us. She's wronged the whole nation. She needs to be punished. So they started, he asked her, he said, what should I do to punish the queen? They said, well, when word gets out in the country that the queen disobeyed the king and got away with it, well, then all the wives will think they can get away with it. So can you imagine? I mean, what this guy thought was, he said, I'm going to go home from this party, and my wife is going to already gotten the gossip that the queen disobeyed. So I'm going to go home, and I'm going to tell my wife, hey, I want chicken pot pie for supper, and my wife's going to look at me and say, I don't want to make chicken pot pie. Make it yourself. And I'm not going to be able to get away with telling my wife, you get in the kitchen to make chicken pot pie, that all the wives are going to start disobeying their husbands. And then all the husbands are going to be mad. And you're going to have a problem, King Ahasuerus. So they started planning, what can we do? They said, well, she needs to be punished. You need to get rid of her. Don't let her be queen anymore. And then we'll get a new queen. And you need to make a law, a special law. You remember the laws of the Medes and the Persians couldn't be changed once it was made, right? This is, they said, we want you to make one of those laws that can't be changed. And you're going to make it that the husband is to be the head of his house in Persia. What he says goes, and the wives have to obey. So the king made the law. And they went and told Vashti she had to leave. Now, I don't know what they did with her. I don't know where she went. But Queen Vashti was gone. She was out of the story now. It's only the first chapter, and they've already gotten killed off one character. But Queen Vashti is gone. Queen Vashti leaves. And they start, he asks, they go out and they make the decree and they translate it into every language in the country of Persia. 
So they went out and they read it in every city, every village. Everybody got read this new law that why the husband is the head of the house and the wives have to obey. So when the husband comes home and says, I want chicken pot pie for supper, the wife says, yes, sir, we're making chicken pot pie for supper. The wives are going to obey their husbands. But now they have a problem. The king doesn't have a queen. What are we going to do? And we also know from history that at this time, the king has another problem. What country was it he wanted to invade? Does anybody remember? He went, That's right, Greece. He wants to invade Greece. So he needs a new queen and he wants a new country. He wants Greece. So he's got all this going on in his head at the same time. And these men say, well, what we need to do is we'll gather up women from every province. We'll have an official in every province. It would be like a state, you know, in, in Louis, in the country of America, we have states, right? We have Louisiana, and we have Texas, and we have Mississippi, and Alabama, and Georgia. We have a bunch of states. Well, in all of the provinces, there would be people who would go house to house, and they'd go look, and they'd say, oh, is she a pretty girl? Yeah, take her. Okay, is she a, no, no, don't take her. You get to stay. I'm kidding. Okay, and so, but they would go house to house, I guess. Somehow, maybe they went to the marketplace and they watched all the girls come into market. Oh, we're going to take you. We're going to take you. Somehow or another, they went around picking out young women that were single that could marry the king and be the queen. So they started gathering them up from all over the nation. Well, what happens at this time? If we look at history, we find out that at this time, the king leaves his capital. They're gathering up new prospective wives for him, and he goes to fight Greece. He's going to come home, have him a new wife and a new country at the same time. <laughs> well, we'll talk about what happened to him in a minute. In the meantime, back in Persia, in the capital of Shushan, they're gathering up women from all over, all the way from India to Ethiopia. They're gathering up women with different skin colors and different eye colors and different hair colors, and they're just they're, they're finding him all kinds of possible brides to be the queen. And they're bringing them in and collecting them, and they have a special part of the house where all these women are going to live. Well, the Bible says there was a man who lived there who worked in the palace. Now, we know he worked in the palace because the Bible says in chapter 2 of Esther that this man, Mordecai, was in the palace Shushan. And archaeologists have discovered that the city is over here, where they used to have the big city, Shushan, is over here. And the palace was separate. So if the Bible says he was in the palace, Shushan, that means he lived in the king's house. So this man, Mordecai, worked for the king. And we know that he worked somehow or another in the king's gate. Because he keeps popping up in the rest of the book, in the gate. Well, this guy, Mordecai, he worked for the king. He was some type of a servant or an employee of the palace. And he also had a younger cousin. His cousin, her parents had died when she was a girl, and he had raised her as his very own daughter. Now, I can't imagine, well, I shouldn't say I can't imagine. I can imagine what this girl, her name was Hadassah, I can only imagine what her plans were for her future. I would guess she was probably hoping to marry a nice Jewish boy, and maybe move back to Israel. Maybe she had always dreamed of living in Jerusalem. I don't know, maybe she was going to go and move to Bethlehem. I don't know what her plans were, but I'm sure her plans were not what was about to take place. 
Because some old writers say that Mordecai tried to hide her for a while from the men who were collecting the women. But whatever the case was, finally Mordecai realized that Esther needed to go to, into the palace to be given as a possible wife for this king. Now, would that seem to make sense to you if the guy who's supposed to be your dad says, come on, we're going to go to the palace because uh, we're going to go see if maybe you can marry Ahasuerus? And by, by the way, once she got there, she never got to go home. Even if he didn't choose her to be queen, she still had to stay at the palace. But he knows this is what God has planned. He knows this is where God wants her to be. It doesn't make sense. It seems to be contrary to God's law itself. But yet Mordecai knows she needs to be there. And Esther somehow or another ends up going in, but he gives her a secret. He says, don't tell anybody that we're related. Don't tell anybody that you're a Jewess. We need to keep this a secret. So Esther goes. I don't know, maybe, maybe when she checked in, she said, oh, I'm adopted. And she was, she was adopted. But, you know, just leave out the part that we're related. She was to keep that a complete secret. So she gets to the palace and they check her in to be one of the possible wives, to be the queen, possibly, of Persia. Well, she gets there and around all these heathen people that are so different than her, that believe so different than her, and she's being prepared for over a year. She's being prepared to go in and meet the king. Well, while all this is going on, it was four years from the time the king got rid of Queen Vashti until he comes in and meets Esther. And during these years, he goes, as I said, and he invades Greece. But that didn't work out very good because the Greeks were really good at guerrilla warfare. That doesn't mean they turned into guerrillas and fought like guerrillas. What guerrilla warfare means was they, would, they, they started running from the king's army. They go out and they start fighting. And they started running into the hills. And, oh, I mean, that looks good for the king, right? Oh, they're running. And so he goes up in the hills to defeat them. But they're hiding behind rocks and they're hiding in trees like Robin Hood. And he comes up trying to fight them. And he just doesn't know how to fight these guys. They're hiding in the woods like this. And they're jumping out and surprising his soldiers. And so finally he realizes, I can't defeat these guys. And so he goes back home. He goes back home grumpy. And he goes back home mad. And he goes back home without a new country and without a new queen. But when he gets there, he meets these women one by one. And he meets this girl named Esther. Oh, what did I say her name was a minute ago? Hadassah. Hadassah was a Jewish name. They didn't want anybody to know she was a Jew, right? So they had to change her name. They changed her name to Esther, which means star. And so Esther comes in, and it's her turn to come in before the king. Can you imagine how nervous she was? And they ask her, what kind of things do you want to take? And I'm sure some of the really prissy girls are asking for all these things. And the spoiled girls, they want all this extra money and all this extra jewelry and all this extra stuff. But the Bible says that when they asked Esther what she wanted, she said, I'm only going to take what you tell me I need. She wasn't greedy. She only took what she needed. She was content with what they gave her. So they gave her the right things and the right clothes. And they got her all dressed up. 
and her time comes, and she walks into the king's palace. Can you imagine not knowing what's going to happen to her? Probably nervous, probably scared, but she goes in trusting God. And she gets in, and the king really likes her. And the king said, I want Esther to be my queen. So they put the crown on her head. Esther had won the contest against all these other girls, probably hundreds of them. And Esther had won. But she must have thought God is a little confused. Because God didn't give her a sweet little Jewish boy. God gave her this crazy man. This crazy man who beats water and who tries to get more and more and more kingdoms. Could God have a plan for her? This doesn't seem to make sense. And sometimes things happen in our lives that are out of our control. I mean, she's a servant girl. This is out of her control. And Esther's here, and Esther's forced to marry this really horrible guy. This really crazy guy. And sometimes when God has a plan for our lives and when things bad start happening, we think God is just confused. Or maybe we're tempted to think God doesn't love us anymore or God doesn't care, but God cares and God still loves us. And Esther was about to find out really quickly the first reason why God had made her the new queen. Because when they got married, the king threw a big party. He called it Esther's feast. And they had a big feast. And they, he invited all these guests to come. And they were eating and they were drinking and they were celebrating their new queen. Well, while they're celebrating their new queen, out in the gateway, there are two men that are mad at the king. Maybe they're mad because they don't like the queen he chose. Maybe they're mad because some of their relatives got killed in the battle in Greece. I don't know why they're mad. But whatever the case is, these two men have decided how to assassinate the king. That means kill him. They're going to kill the king. So they're making a secret plan on what they're going to do. And as they're making the secret plan, there was a man who worked in the gate. What was his name? Mordecai. And Mordecai heard the plan. And he got the details. And every single day, Mordecai would slip into the courthouse, and uh, the court of the palace, and we'd go past where Esther was to check on her. And he'd look over to see what was happening to her. And maybe sometimes he'd go talk to her, because on this day, he went to talk to her. And he went and he told her, he said, Esther, I need you to go tell the king these two men are about to kill him. And tell him that I sent you. So she goes very quickly to the king, and she tells the king, this man, Mordecai, she doesn't tell him this is my cousin. She doesn't tell him this is my adopted dad. She just says, this guy, Mordecai, out there who works in your gate, he heard a plan to kill you. Well, the king got mad, and so he called for an investigation, and they sent out the investigators, and they started checking it out to see if it was true. Well, they found out that it was true. So they arrested the two men that were planning to kill the king. And he had them taken out and executed. Now, as Esther's trying to figure out why God would have put her in Persia as the queen, the first reason we see today that God put Esther here was to preserve the life of the king. Now, he was a bad man. 
But God needed and wanted to use Ahasuerus, or Xerxes, wanted to use him to do something very important. There was a plan to kill all of the Jews in the land of Persia. And he was the king God was going to use to save the Jewish people. And if he was assassinated, it would all fall apart. So the first reason God made Esther, the queen of Persia, was to save who? To save who? The king. That's right. And so because she was queen, she was able to save the king. Why don't we sing this song again? You know, as I've already said, God has a plan for all of our lives. And sometimes that plan doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. Sometimes we think God is confused. Sometimes we don't understand what God's doing. But what do we need to do when we don't understand God? We need to trust him, right? We say, okay, God, I don't understand you, but I'm going to trust you anyway. That's what Esther did, and God used her in mighty ways. And next time, we'll see even more of how God used Esther in such a mighty way. Let's sing through this. Let's all stand up, and we're going to sing through it two times. God has a plan for me. Yes, I've begun to see. He'll bless others through the things I'll do. If I follow where he leads, I'll put my trust in him. The one who set me free. And I'll give him all I am. Put my future in his hands. Yes, I know God has a plan, a plan for me. One more time. God has a plan for me. Yes, I've begun to see. He'll bless others through the things I'll do. If I follow where he leads, I'll put my trust in him, the one who set me free, and I'll give him all I am, put my future in his hands. I know God has a plan, a plan for me. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you that you have a plan for all of our lives. Thank you that you have a plan for each one of these kids. I pray that you would help them to start seeking you and hearing from you so that they will know your plan for their lives. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.